Hello, and welcome to The Query Show. This is episode four, and I remain, as always, your host, editor, query critiquer, producer, web mistress, uh, Blair Thornburg. Today, we have a women's fiction query from Jess. Thank you, Jess. I am very excited to create this query because it sounds like a book I would personally love. So let's dive right in. So as always, I'm going to read the entire query through, and then I'll go paragraph by paragraph to discuss my thoughts. Dear Agent, I'm seeking representation for my 83,000-word upmarket women's novel, Woman of Words. A damaged heroine, a la Gail Honeyman's Eleanor Oliphant, narrates the literary moral dilemmas of an all-this-is-true-for-adults. Brandy Kellner was a lonely Boston insomniac with a nicotine habit and a strange sister and a dead mother. To put away these problems like broken rough drafts, she rewrote herself into Renee Jansen, best-selling idol of thousands. Four years, three novels, one blog of life advice and fictional anecdotes, and many coffee and cigarette combos later, neither her critics nor her few friends know her real name. After the question of her identity sparks controversy, Brandy launches a book tour to prove she's got nothing to hide. But the past she buried resurrects in the form of a fellow writer and almost lover with his own mistakes to outrun and a request for an interview. Meanwhile, her sister Michelle hopes a baby will save her struggling marriage and resents how Brandy abandoned their family for her fiction. When she meets a broken young woman who worships Renee Jansen, Michelle might finally have a way to reconnect with her sister. But as the lives of all three women intertwine, that reconnection might tear the sisters even further apart. As the line between fantasy and reality blurs, Brandy must either maintain her greatest fiction or finally face the bittersweet life she's avoided for so long. I've included the sample material below. As for myself, I am completing my bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in creative writing at school, in state, where a portion of the novel is set. Thank you for your time and consideration. Regards, author. Okay, so let's go paragraph by paragraph. The first paragraph, we start out with the description of the word count, what genre it is, and a couple of comp titles. It's a great, good, clear introduction to what the novel is about, and it includes a lot of that vital information, like the comp titles and work count. However, I generally think that it's superfluous to say I'm seeking representation for X novel in a query letter because there's really only one reason to write a query letter, and that's to get representation. That, and I think it's usually better to dig into the details of the story first before describing what kind of story it is, i.e. show first, then tell. The introduction is perfectly well-crafted, and I'm not saying the author absolutely must move this paragraph lower down, but some food for thought. Now, in our second paragraph, we meet Brandy Kellner, the lonely Boston insomniac with a secret double life as Renee Jansen. This is a great paragraph and really a great premise. I have this theory that readers, being book people, love books about book people in particular, and this truly sounds like a treat in that regard. The first sentence does a really lovely job of getting across information without wasting words. For example, describing Brandy as a lonely Boston insomniac condenses what could have otherwise been a drawn-out phrase, like, a woman who has no friends in Boston and can't ever get to sleep. Economy. It's beautiful. Phrasing-wise, I do think to put away these problems like broken rough drafts could use a bit more polish. Put away isn't a particularly evocative verb phrase, and you don't really put away rough drafts necessarily. 
Furthermore, I don't know if broken is the right adjective to precede rough drafts. I'd suggest something more like to scrap these problems like failed rough drafts to keep the metaphor nice and tight around the idea of writing and rejecting various book projects. When it comes to the fact that neither her critics nor her few friends know her real name, I'm a little confused. Does this mean that both her critics and her friends think of Brandy as Renee Jansen, little knowing her real identity as Brandy? Or is it that her critics don't know Renee Jansen isn't her real name, and her friends don't know Brandy has a double life as Renee? It's a little bit tricky to understand. And I think it ties into the next sentence when the question of her identity sparks controversy. What exactly is the question and the controversy that ensues? I can see the contours of this double life plot and how it would make things difficult for Brandy, but I still don't quite understand the mechanism of her deceit. And because of that, I don't see why the book tour would necessarily solve the problem. It's not that it's implausible, it's just that I need a little more specificity to understand exactly how it shakes out. I'm gleaning from context that the book tour is or is close to the inciting incident, which means that it should really be set up as a rock-solid inevitability. Finally, we come to this intriguing fellow writer and almost lover with his own mistakes to outrun and a request for an interview. Ooh la la! Two small things I think should be cleared up here. Is he Brandy's almost lover? That's what I'm getting, but it's not quite clear. And I'd suggest putting an M dash before and a request for an interview to avoid confusion. Again, you can't see this unless you're a patron and you download the PDF, but I would phrase it such that it's more like fellow writer and almost lover with his own mistakes to outrun and a request for an interview. His mistakes in his interview request are dramatically different things. One's about the past and the other's about the future. Moreover, the interview request is presumably the big dramatic thing that could blow a hole in Brandy's story. So give it maximum drama, M dashes for everyone. Now we come to Michelle, her hopes for a baby and the broken young woman she meets. Oh, sisters, I do love how all these women are brought together for better or worse by books, that's really great. My suggestion here is just to reverse the order of Michelle's verb phrases so that resents how Brandy abandoned their family for her fiction comes first. That phrase provides a clearer link to the fiction-related drama of Brandy's paragraph above, and so I think it works well as a transition. However, I think Michelle could get a little bit more here. Not so much that the paragraph bloats out, but just a few more scraps of info. How does she meet the broken younger woman? We don't know what Michelle does with her time, so there isn't really any context for us to know how she might meet someone new. How is the woman broken? And how would just knowing her allow Michelle to reconnect with Brandy? Again, no long answers needed here. I think the same rhetorical panache and conciseness of a lonely Boston insomniac can help single words do more heavy lifting in this paragraph and communicate more. Now we have the final plot paragraph where the lives of the three women intertwine and Brandy has to make a choice. This has great use of sentence structure. I love the but as and Brandy must either maintain or finally face. It's a beautiful example of good character development in a query. The character is facing events that force her to choose between stasis and growth. Top-notch fiction. Here too, though, I'd say more specificity. How exactly are their lives intertwining? Did Michelle seek Brandy out on tour? And why does that potentially tear them apart? How is the line between fantasy and reality blurring? This last one is key, I think. I'm still not 100% clear on the exact operation of Brandy's double life as Renee. Because of that, I'm not clear on what the fantasy is versus the reality. 
Again, this doesn't have to get built out to the point of doubling the length of the query, but this author knows how to weave in details, and this would be a great place to do more of it. And the last little closing paragraph. It's perfect. I mean, this was a very strong query, and I wouldn't be surprised if it got requests as is. The concept is juicy and fun, and there's lots of character drama. Still, it's great to get to go deep on tweaks and find the strongest possible phrasings across the board. And that was our query for the week. Thank you again to Jess for being brave and submitting your query. Um, I'm really enjoying reading all the letters coming in, and please don't hesitate to submit. You can go to thequeryshow.com and fill out the form. It's super easy. I would love to see more genre fiction, literary fiction, middle grade. I mean, really span the gamut because I love to talk about all kinds of queries. And if you like this podcast, you can go to thequeryshow.com to listen to more episodes. And you can also tell your friends, give the show a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. That helps people find the show. Also, uh, you can check out the Query Show Patreon and become a patron for tons of bonus material and query help. I just recorded an episode for the patrons about writing your closing paragraph, even if you don't have a ton of publication experience, and how to make it sound super professional and nail it. That was a suggestion from Sarah, one of my patrons. It's a really great little episode, I think, that'll be very helpful. So check it out there. There's a link, again, at thequeryshow.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our mailing list and get a free query workbook. So you'll be like totally well-equipped. That's it for now. I've been your host, Blair Thornburg. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.